This episode is brought to you by Salt and Strings Butchery in Southern Illinois. Order your custom beef today by visiting saltandstrings.com or use the link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Barbell Logic, the premier online coaching service for barbell strength training. Get your first month free by signing up at barbelllogic.com slash hardmen or use the link in the show notes. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. Delighted that you could join us for this episode. We have some great content lined up for you today. Before we jump in, I do want to make you aware we have a Patreon-exclusive channel with Patreon-exclusive content. So if you're not yet a supporter of this show, I would encourage you to check out Patreon. Wonderful content, including we recently released an episode, How Can I Bring My Wife Home? This is an episode with myself and Pastor Dan Burkholder, we talk about the glory of motherhood, why it matters biblically, and then how practically you can do the hard work of bringing your wife home if she's not already. This is also helpful if you're thinking about how to counsel your friends or other people. We find that as we get into the patriarchy camp, there's so many people who are saying, yeah, I love it. It's great. But how do we do these things? So Pastor Dan Burkholder and I talk about that. One of the other really cool episodes that we have on Patreon, it's a Patreon exclusive Patreon-only episode is Manly Mission. Pastor Dan and I talk about how you can build a legacy through faith, culture, and wealth. What a fantastic topic. I love this episode, one of my favorite of all time, so be sure to check that out. You can join on Patreon today for as little as $5 a month. If you join at the $10 a month tier, you also get a free Hardman Slunk Eggs coffee cup. So hopefully you're enticed by that. We'll send you a Hardman Slunk eggs coffee cup to your doorstep if you sign up today at the ten dollar a month tier be sure to check the link in the show notes or you can go to patreon.com slash eric con that's e-r-i-c-c-o-n-n and now without further ado we're going to jump into today's episode well welcome to this episode of the hard men podcast i am your guest host dan burkholder and i am joined today by a very special guest his name is joe garrisey Joe is a wealth management advisor at Backwards Planning Financial, and you can find more information at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, a little bit of your history, because I find you to be very interesting. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. I grew up in South San Diego. I grew up as a pastor's kid of an OPC pastor. I grew up playing soccer and went to a Christian school throughout my scholastic time, went to Covenant College, uh, met my wife, Lydia, there. We got married before I was done with college. I went into the Army. I was an armor officer in charge of multiple tanks, did some uh, military intelligence work, jumped out of airplanes, uh, got my airborne uh, certificate, uh, did some scout work. Uh, shot all kinds of things, ran over trees with my tank, uh, blew up things, uh, used C4, all, all kinds of fun stuff uh, for guys to do. I left uh, the military. I went and ran a manufacturing floor. I was blessed to be promoted quite quickly there. And uh, I left and I basically went back through some thought work. And Lydia said, hey, there's some, uh, the area of life you really enjoy is finances and how they work and how to be efficient. That's what you talk about and read about. Why don't you go back to school and do it for a living? I just, uh, by the way, I, uh, to interrupt you, I, I find that fascinating. You're, you were just showing me before we started recording the, the different rounds that tanks fire. 
And you just told me that you ran over trees and stuff like that, but then you spend your free time reading about finances. I find that to be somewhat humorous. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I would read uh, finance books and investing books and estate planning books and et cetera on my uh, free time, and people thought I was quite weird, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> so uh, what I do, I, I use the term holistic wealth management. And I named my company Backwards Planning Financial because there's some military training thought on understanding where you're trying to get to in detail. And therefore, once you understand what you're trying to accomplish, then you can talk about contingencies that we can't control along the way. And you have an opportunity to backwards plan, bring that thought work into what are you doing today because you know where you're headed. So knowing that well is the beginning of the process, not the end. If you don't do that thought work, the default what's left over is spaghetti against the wall, cross your fingers, hope we get there, which is not efficient in any area, including finances. Yeah. So for those that want to do full planning help, uh, we don't just help them with their investment ideas and we're doing all kinds of work in the stock market with them, um, but also insurance work and talking to them about uh, legacy planning on multi-generational strategies, how to title assets, just the titling of your assets can potentially give you uh, some free legal protection if you know how to do it. What about debt planning and when to get out of debt and how to use debt and, and what debt to get out of when with estate planning and how to put that together, what type of trust to use or not, and meeting with my clients and their estate planning attorneys meeting with my clients and their tax advisors and bringing up tax ideas and strategy work. And because every one of these areas affect each other. Wow. So instead of just talking about one thing at a silo, if you can look at all of it in a comprehensive plan, because you know where you're going, then you can make wise and efficient decisions and you end up having more to give, more to spend, uh, retire earlier or be able to help more people. Or in other words, less money to the bank system because you're not, giving things they don't need to have. That's the basics of what I do. Man, that's, that's you, you start, I've got so many questions for you about what you do, but the thing is also I get overload, like in a way, like titling assets. I don't have many assets, but I do have a house. I do have a small investment portfolio. I guess I do have a couple businesses, but anyway, all of those things are really interesting. I know a lot of our listeners though are probably not in a, a position to where uh, they can open up trusts and have, you know, their assets titled correctly and things like that. At this point in their careers, a lot of these guys, you know, myself included, we're just trying to scrape by because right now we live in a difficult economic moment. It's incredibly difficult to get ahead in the world right now. I, I mean, I feel bad for a lot of these younger guys because I bought a house in 2016 and I thought prices were crazy and my interest rate is like two and three quarter percent. And my house value has gone up double. My tax, my tax, property taxes have doubled. You know, housing prices now are really high. Interest rates are really high, making those already expensive homes almost impossible to buy. Vehicle prices are high. Food prices are high. And the only thing that isn't high right now are people's salaries, right? And so it's more important than ever to be diligent with your money. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Joe is to be a help to you guys. So in, what, in your experience, Joe, what are some of the areas that people, instead of growing their finances and being wise with their money, can absolutely just wreck their finances? 
Yeah, so there's a principle in the business world uh, that I'd like to start with as one of a multiple things called Parkinson's Law. This has nothing to do with the disease. Parkinson's Law says work expands to meet the time allowed to accomplish the task. So as a boss, if I give my employees a time frame on when things need to be done, people tend to use the whole time. So if I adjust that time to be longer or shorter, they will adjust the work to accomplish it in a longer or shorter time. But finances are the same. As our income increases, unless we put in parameters to protect ourselves from ourselves, it just gets spent. So for example, you get a raise at work, right? You get, you get a, or a new job or something like that. You get a, a windfall of income. What are some of the things that people tend to do that really will undermine them? Well, it, it's the little tiny details where they don't realize they're spending. So one of the things I like to do when I talk with folks is say, hey, just go look in arrears. Don't try to plan and budget for everything you're doing right now. That's too hard and painful. No one likes it. Just go look at two, three, four months in arrears and categorize all your spending. Where did everything go? Every single person I've ever had that done this was a surprise to them on what they're spending in different categories. So most people don't have good visibility on where things go on a day-to-day basis. Interesting. So you have like a blind spot, you know, you don't like, I, I never thought I spent that much on food or, you know, whatever yes. it was. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. So knowing where that is. And then there's a concept called planned spending. Okay. I, the, the word budget has uh, bad connotations to it because it's painful, but planned <laughs> spending, the planned, planned every dollar on where it should go. Okay, so then when you go and say, well, we have a a planned budget for the grocery store of 750 bucks this month or whatever it may be, then you feel free to spend that because you know it's okay rather than constant with guilt on I am feeling guilty all day, every expenditure, etc. Plan how you're going to spend it. And then also pay yourself first is another wonderful concept, which is your future self. And the way I talk about this in a joking manner is. I've already had a conversation with future you. Future you wants today to you to spend, save some money. Yeah. So that they can have some money in the future. And so if you pay your future self first out of your income and then spend the rest, you will, Parkinson's law effect, adjust your spending to the new rate. But if you don't pay yourself first and you try to invest based on what's left over, you'll never have enough. Oh, that's interesting because typically what I do is I spend what I want and say, that's future Dan's problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Government does. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. As a huge proponent of the carnivore diet, I quickly learned how great eggs are for you, especially when you slonk them eight to 12 at a time. But whether you drink them raw or scramble them with some sausage, they're good for your heart and mind and they help you build a ton of muscle pretty quickly. My preferred source for eggs is from my own backyard, and I've loved getting my birds from Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the number one backyard poultry supplier in the country, and they're also wonderful people. Ideal is owned and operated by a solid Christian family who is worthy of your patronage if you are looking for some fantastic birds. So visit Ideal Poultry today at idealpoultry.com. Again, that's idealpoultry.com. You can also check the link in the show notes. So we tend to just spend as we grow, 
Uh, that's what, what you're saying. Like as we grow our incomes, we get our cost of living raises or we get a new job or whatever. We just tend to fill in the, the financial void yes. with just more spending. Yes. So for guys that do have a little bit more income, you know, the, the middle-class guys that are maybe in six figures of income, what do these guys actually need to do with their finances? Like who, who do they need to talk to? in order to, to manage their, their wealth. Like what about managing their taxes so that they're not overpaying their taxes? What about their finances and growing their wealth? Do you talk to like a CPA about that? Most CPAs and their CPAs and there's EAs enrolled agents, uh, and certified public accountants. Most of them do tax preparation, which they, they ask for you, give me all your numbers, please. And they take all these numbers and they go and they put it into software in the appropriate places and make sure that it's done correctly. So everything is reported in the proper manner. That's their primary job is proper, accurate, correct reporting. But if you go and ask the majority of them, well, what can I do so that two years from now, three years from now, 15 years from now, I can not hurt myself tax-wise? What's tax strategy in the military? We talk about strategy versus tactics. Tactics is short-term stuff right in front of you. Strategy is big, long-term ideas, okay? Most tax advisors are doing tax tactics, not tax strategies. That, that's one of the things that I help with ideas-wise. I cannot prepare someone's tax return. That's a conflict mm -hmm. of interest. But I can go and uh, commonly review their tax return before they file it and say, hey, here's some ideas on things. And then we bring in their tax advisor and have a three-way conversation. Hey, what about this idea? What about that idea? Can we do this? And it's commonly the tax advisor goes, oh, yeah, we could absolutely do that. I know how to report that. Ah, okay. They know how to categorize it. Yes, but, but they're normally not the dynamic abstract thinkers on how to adjust and therefore help. That's not a common thing they do. Okay. So, so for example, a guy, he's, he's making a little bit over a hundred thousand dollars. He comes to you and, and the value that you're going to provide is tax strategy in, in one way. One of the things that you do is tax strategy so that you're not overpaying on taxes. So when I fill out my turbo tax thing and it says you owe a bunch of money, there's probably some strategies that could prevent me from overpaying for my taxes. And, and so you're there to help strategize to uh, make sure that you take full advantage of the tax code that we have because you know the ins and outs of it. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I know a lot. There, it's thousands of pages with all yeah. kinds of other things. I know more than the average bear, let me put it that way. I, I attend tax conferences and talk to tax attorneys and bug the heck out of advanced planning attorneys and constantly am bouncing ideas off of them. Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Hey, what about this situation? If we twist here and turn there, um, that's what I yeah. enjoy doing is looking for ways to navigate because it's very complex, but it's not just taxes right now Yeah, because we hope you're going to be alive next year and 10 years from now and 15 years from now. And what about your kids and, and their kids? And so taxes are long-term. So one of the risks in retirement with air quotes, retirement is tax risk. Because we don't know what the brackets or the rates are going to be for income tax, for capital gains tax, because we can look historically and they're not linear. They're bouncing all over the place. 
And so we need to protect ourselves from future potential tax increases. And there's multiple ways to do that. So it's not just today tax, but also mid and long-term taxes. Well, that's really interesting. I know that uh, just locally here in, in Utah, housing prices have gone up just, I mean, like crazy everywhere they've gone up, but here, especially they've gone, it's been a booming market for a long time. And I know just looking at my property tax statement. So my, my value of my house, like I said earlier, is more than doubled. And then they increased the tax rate. And so that's been a challenge for me. Now, if you start thinking, well, if they can do that for property taxes, why can't they do that for income taxes? That's something that you should probably prepare for. If all of a sudden your tax burden doubles for some reason in the future, I don't know, maybe like crazy inflation and massive national debt and things like that, you know, it'd be really wise to be prepared for something like that. So what about the guy, you know, uh, going back to the guys that are, they're just trying to scrape by right now. A lot of people, I don't know what the statistics are, but I know a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, and it, and it is a really hard time to live, especially because incomes aren't growing. What do these guys need to do in order to get by? Like, what do they need to do to actually get themselves out of that position? This is probably just like a, like a bloody knuckle callous kind of answer, not as necessarily just as a, a wealth management advisor, but as just like a, a wise, you know, financially wise man. Yeah. So, so there's two sides to that coin, but, but the guy making, you know, five figures and not six, he needs to get another job or get a different job or work more hours, start a side gig. He needs more money. So there's nothing wrong with working two and three jobs. But when I was courting Lydia, my wife, we courted between one and three a.m. during the summer that we were there living next door to each other in the college uh, college estates because I had three jobs. So it's um, you know I've never had a forty hour work week in my adult life. Uh, you've got to work a lot and do well, and it's you will be promoted. You will make more money if you're honorable and ethical and work hard. You will stand out. And if you don't like enough, then go start your own business, i.e. that's me. I was promoted very well, made decent money, but I was tired of making other people wealthy. So I I wanted to get the fruit, all of the fruit of my hard work. And so that's why I work for myself. Yeah. It's not right for everybody. No, you're right. It's painful. Get another job is a great thing. Yeah, no, that that was a, a big motivation for me because I recall I was working for a large sporting goods company and I managed... Uh, sales of over three and a half million dollars, which isn't like actually that big uh, when you're looking at a, a lot of these companies. But for me, you know, just personally, that's three and a half million dollars in sales and I'm making $60,000 a year. And I started doing the math and I'm like, wait a minute, I know the profit margin on this stuff and I know how much they're paying me. I want to be the guy that's actually making the 97% profit and not the guy who's making the 3% profit because it didn't matter if I sold $5 million or one and a half million dollars. Well, one and a half million dollars, I get fired. But if I sold more, I'm not getting more money. And so that was part of my motivation in starting my own business. The other thing was that you have a much more direct tie between your work and your reward. And so you're free to to grow your business as much as you put into it. And so I think that's really valuable, especially the side hustle business. I know some of the men in our church you know, you get out of high school and you're in college or trade school. And a lot of these guys, they just don't make a lot of money because the jobs just don't pay that they're available to. And so that's one of the, one of the things we've been advising some of these young guys and doing is, 
is starting side hustles and start trying to just start by making a hundred dollars a month and try to grow it to $500 a month and just try to, you know, snowball on your successes. So that's, that's actually really helpful. And then hopefully you get to the point to where you're starting to worry about your tax bracket, where you're no longer getting an earned income tax credit and not paying taxes, but instead of getting a rebate from the government, and then you need to hire someone like you in order to further strategize on, on your finances. So, so Joe, let me ask you a question. I'm going to make myself the bad guy in this question, but why, in your opinion, are guys like me reformed Christians that have maybe just a little bit of competency in some areas, some of the, the more challenging clients for you to work with? Well, there's a confidence transfer is really, and it's not just reformed Christians. It's, it's folks that have an expertise in one area. It's a common human issue when you have expertise in one area to then transfer that confidence, even though you don't have expertise, into areas B, C, and D. And so, therefore, when I talk to folks, say, hey, would you like help? It's commonly, oh, Joe, I've got this all under control. But when they have a conversation, we find out there's all kinds of holes and et cetera. The other thing here is embarrassment. A lot of people are embarrassed because when I get into their finances, I'm going to look at really what's going on. And many people are embarrassed to expose their finances. They would rather keep the, the facade of everything's under control and everything looks good type of thing. So it's really the, the overconfidence and the embarrassment. And, and there's no shame. There's no, I've never had a client say that you, you've shamed me. I've had many times where they come and say, Joe, thank you for being patient. Thank you for not embarrassing me and is just be super helpful, that type of stuff. So those are the prime areas that I see. And, and unfortunately, Reformed Christians are common in those areas. Offline, you would have described to me some of the better clients, the, as, as far as like the less challenging clients to work with. Uh, you said something about military folks. Yeah, I, I enjoy working with military. I was an armor officer in the Army. Military people, you don't have to convince that life is real. They see people die. They see people get injured. Uh, it's around them all the time. And so you don't get the excuse of, well, nothing's ever going to happen to me in the military crowd. Plus, they are able to handle a straightforward conversation because the military forces you into that. It gives you a thick skin because you're going to get some real reviews from people. And so, therefore, they're okay with, hey, let's have a real conversation and Joe, what's really going on. So I love working with them because I speak their language, I live their life, but also they can handle a straightforward conversation. Mm, yeah, that's really good. That's uh, especially it's it's funny that you bring up that contrast because what you see in you know some of the military folks, some of the values that they that they have are that they can accept direct feedback, and but then for a guy like me that might have competency in one area, or you see this like the common trope is like a doctor. Who, who is very, you know, hey, you could be a brain surgeon. That's great. Like you have a lot of experience in that, but you might not know anything about finances. And so accepting some sort of direct talk about where you're failing is really hard for, for folks like that to, to accept. So epistemic humility is something that's probably very important, especially when it comes to your finances. Because I know for a lot of guys, this, this is a, a world of mystery. And it seems almost purposely so that the tax codes are obscure and challenging. You said it's some thousands of pages, you know, the tax code, and it's really difficult. And the language is really difficult. You know, with a lot of these things, it's important to have 
epistemic humility. So I kind of wanted to change gears a little bit to uh, something that's probably more close to home for me, and that's in the realm of the church. How should members of the church be interacting uh, with the tithe in your recommendations? And maybe not as a wealth advisor. I know that you have to run all this by your compliance team. So if I need to speak to that, that's that's fine. Yeah. So, so you know, the Bible talks about the tithe and et cetera. That's probably better for you to give sure. some information on um, in that. But I can talk to 501c3s because most churches, not all, are 501c3s and cha- therefore charitable organizations. There's a lot of tax ideas on how to give the same amount to a 501c3, but increase the write-offs or take full advantage of the ability to write that off without increasing what you're giving. Wait, wait a minute. That didn't make sense to me. How does that work? That you can increase, without increasing the amount you give, increase the amount you write off? Because it's not straightforward in one line item on that. Let me talk about a few different ideas. Okay, okay, okay yeah. On, on how to accomplish that. So, first of all, 2023, the st- we need to start off with some education pieces. The 2023 standard deduction for married filing jointly is 27700 Now, there's different numbers for married filing or, or singly, head of household, over 65, if you're blind, certain disaster losses. I'm just talking about general average Joe Blow, ha, pun intended. Uh, here on that. <laughs> and so uh, if your itemization tools or, or numbers do not add up above 27,700, then you take the standard. You always want the bigger write-off. Okay. So the standard deduction uh, starts at 27,700, but the itemization items are things like your state and local taxes. Your real estate taxes on primary mortgage or the first two mortgages up to a certain level, and that level uh, adjusts actually. Uh, mortgage interest uh, on up to two homes that's a primary mortgage, not a HELOC. That, cha- that rule changed here recently. Okay, points that you pay on a primary mortgage. So if you're refinancing or buying a home and you buy points to bring it down those points in that year. And a big adjustable here is charitable contributions or money that you give to a 501c3. So when you add all of those up, if they add up to 20 grand, well, you'd rather take the standard, which is 27.7. Okay, you always want the bigger of the two. So one of the first ideas is called lumping. So what you do is you put together an Excel spreadsheet and you write down these numbers. You say, okay, let's say our charitable contributions are 10 grand for a nice round number. A type of thing, and you add up all of these together, they equal 20 grand. Well, lumping is taking more than one year's charitable contribution all at once. So next year's 10 grand, following years is 10 grand. So let's say we take 30 grand, three years worth of charitable contribution, and we give it to a charity all at once. And so now you add up to 40 grand in year one. That's way more than 27,700. And so you get a write off of $40,000 in year one and year two and three, when you're giving nothing to the charity, because you already did, you're using the standard deduction at 27,7 or that indexes, but for, for simple math. So 27,7 plus the additional between 27,700 and 40,000. That's an additional write-off. You didn't give more over time to the charity. You just gave it all in a lump. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, I didn't I didn't even know that was possible. That I, I mean, that makes sense, though. So I get a common question. So I set this up for clients, and I'm putting this together, this idea. And so they do it year one. Let's say they sold a house or inherited money, or they saved up, and they, they can do this. you got to have the lump up front idea to do this. Sure. Right? That's a caveat. But... So they do it year one, in my analogy, they gave 30,000 to the charity in year two. In their cash flow, they planned on giving 10,000, but now they don't. What do they do with that 10,000 in year two and in year three? Well, they set it aside. They save it into a savings account, as an example. And so by the, by those two years, they now have $20,000 saved up. When it comes to year four, they have 20,000 saved up. They have their cash flow of year four of 10,000 they planning to give. They can do another 30,000 lump. Ba-boom. So you can do this every three years for the rest of your life once you do it the first year. If you control where that excess is going. Remember, is it Parkinson's law? You've got to have protection from yourself on where that money goes. So you can set up this lumping idea to run through the rest of your life. Now, the common... Not problem, but desire of not being great that I get from people is, Joe, I would rather not give a big fat lump to a charity and then nothing for the next few years. It's hard for the charity to run their own accounting to getting pops and nothing and pops and nothing type of thing. I would rather give to them regular. Well, insert a tool called a donor advised fund, DAF for short. Okay, A donor advised fund is simply a control tool. You take the 30000 in our analogy and you put it into the DAF. When you put assets into a DAF, you get charitable contribution write-off of that year. But the assets do not have to leave in that year. They can leave over multiple years that you can string it along. So therefore, you can go get yourself like a checkbook and then give to your charity once a month if that's what you like to do out of the DAF for the next three years. So the charity didn't see any difference. The only thing they see is a different account where the money's coming from, and they don't care. So the charity gets it in the same stream, but you got a big fat write-off on year one. What, what, I mean, I understand write-offs are great. You know, How much of a benefit can that actually be, though? Like, what are you, what are you talking about as far as like a, a benefit for, for taking a $40,000 deduction Versus a $27,000 deduction. Okay, so first you have to understand the tax bracket that you're in, the top tax bracket, not your average. So in my analogy here, let's say you're in the 25% tax bracket to pick a number, okay? So the difference between 40,000 and 27,700 is 12,300. You multiply that times your tax bracket, so times 0.25, that's $3,075 you do not pay in taxes that year. You're giving the same amount, but you saved $3,000. Wow. As a global study from 2021 pointed out, people who lift weights just 30 to 60 minutes per week increase their lifespan by up to 20%. Other studies have shown that strength is one of the factors tied most directly to increased longevity. Interestingly enough, this holds true at any age. In other words, whether you're 18 or 87, you greatly increase your chance of living longer simply by doing some form of strength training. Speaking of which, I've been lifting weights through Barbell Logic online coaching for more than nine weeks now. Working with my trainer, Matt Reynolds, 
three workouts or four per week, and I have increased my deadlift and squat by well over 100 pounds and my bench press by over 60. I've never had weightlifting coaching before, but with custom-tailored workouts and constant feedback, I've been able to improve form, increase weight, and grow much stronger in a short period of time. My deadlift is now up over 350 pounds. My squat is over 350 pounds as well, and on bench press, I've hit 250 pounds, and those numbers are still climbing. Are you ready to improve your strength, get in better shape, and increase the number of productive years that you have left on Earth? Sign up today for Barbell Logic's online coaching, and your first month is always free. They'll pair you with the right coach to meet your training needs. Visit barbelllogic.com slash hardmen to get paired with a coach today, or use the link in the show notes. Now, it's even better if you can take that 3000 and put it into an investing and you grow it. So it's kind of like free 3000 It's not free. <laughs> you were just overpaying your taxes that when you didn't need to before. Uh-huh. So you're using the IRS reduced taxes to fund your retirement just by being smart on how you give. Joe, you're a crafty guy. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> I've been called a shark and Spock and, and all kinds of names. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so there's more to these strategies. I'm talking about lumping and a donor advised uh, fund, ADAPT. Okay. Uh, next is understanding the intricacies of a non qualified investment account. Non qualified means you have unfettered access to the money at any time. Think of your savings account. You can liquidate your savings account and not pay a pre withdrawal penalty. Okay, so it's liquid access money. That's a non qualified savings account. You can have a non-qualified investment account and invest in the stock market, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera, type of thing. So let's say you invest hundred grand because it's a round number and the money grows to $150,000 and then you sell it and use it for XYZ, anything. Well, you have a $50,000 gain and you have to pay tax on the gain depending on how long you've owned the asset. If you've owned the asset for less than a year, 365 days or less, it's called short-term capital gains. If you've owned it for 366 days or more, it's called long-term capital gains. That's important. It's a different tax code than the than income tax. It's a capital gains tax code. And this is an adjusting tax rate also, and different presidents have campaigned on adjusting this up and down over time. So the first thing I want to talk about is called tax loss harvesting. So same analogy, you buy XYZ for 100 grand and the market crashes and the value is now 70,000. What you do is you sell at 70,000 and you realize the loss. Before selling, it's called an unrealized loss. Once you sell, it's now called a realized loss. So you have a $30,000 loss here. Now, If you have any dividends or capital gains that year, you exchange it one for one and don't pay tax on those. If there's any left over, current law allows you to take up to $3,000 of that loss and use it as a write-off against your taxes. So it reduces your income by that $3,000. If there's any loss left over, you carry it over to the next year, and to the next year, and the next year, and the next year until you use it up. So you get to use this as a write-off for current and future taxes. That's tax loss harvesting. Now, in the same analogy, you buy something different, okay, at the $70,000 mark, and the market comes back like it always has in the past, so we have good, good probability that it will in the future, 
Um, it comes back and now is at 150,000. Well, you have a larger gain. So you now have an $80,000 gain. And if you sell this, you pay tax on 80,000. But if it's in a long-term capital gain position, remember that's owning it for 366 days or more, and you gift the asset to a 501c3, a church, etc., anything that's a 501c3, you gift the asset, they get something called a step up in basis, which means basis position on where taxes start at become current market value, the 150,000. So most 501c3s receive the asset, they liquidate it because they need the money for their own operating expenses. So at the 150,000 is the current basis at that time. So you went from 70,000 up to 150,000 in basis. Who paid tax on the gain? Did you? Did the charity? The answer is no one. So you got a write-off when the market went down and you paid no taxes on the bigger gain. Now, it's even better. Because you can gift that asset into a DAF, a donor advised fund. You can take this $150,000 asset in our scenario, put the asset into the DAF, get a write-off for the $150,000, and then you can either leave it there or you can sell it into cash, whichever. Um, and then you can, you can take your uh, checks or whatever and give them out to the charities over time. But you didn't have to pay tax on the bigger gain. So let me ask you a question, and you might not be able to answer this, actually, now that I think about it. But is this how what like Bill and Melinda Gates are doing with the Gates Foundation is that they're using a lot of their income. They put it into a, uh, a DAF or a 501c3, and then they are taking a salary out of that 501c3. Is that what these people are doing? Using a foundation is the same thing as using a DAF tax-wise. There's, there's small intricacies on that, and we can do that for clients also. But we also run DAFs for clients. Uh, how they use the money, I haven't researched sure, their sure. charity. There, there's a Gates Foundation yeah. that they and other people, but I know that they are taking massive deductions for giving money to that. Now, this tax loss harvesting, there's actually a lot more rules and regulations on how it's done. So don't just start doing this, please. It's, uh, <laughs> you can uh, hurt yourself. Well, yeah, because there's something called a wash sale, correct? So if you if you had bought Apple and it went down and then you sold it and then you went to rebuy something in the same, is it the same asset class or is buy it have to be, again. you have to buy Apple again, you don't get to claim the loss? Well, it depends on if you rebought 31 days before or after. It's a 61 day window. You cannot buy Apple 30 days before, the day of, and the 30 days after. Once you're outside of that window, then you can rebuy Apple. So that's why when you rebuy at our pervert or hypothetical $70,000 level, you buying something different. Yeah. Really important. That is different. Yeah. I know I know that some short-term swing traders and day traders and things like that run into wash sale rules a lot. You also get, but in the crypto world, it's kind of more of a wild west. There, as far as I'm aware, are no wash sale rules at this point. You know, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't sell crypto for clients. Yeah. So I don't sell. There's a few things that I don't sell that are off the wild and uh, really wild west chart. Yes. Uh, things like crypto, like futures, you know, things like that uh, on stuff. But yeah. So so there's uh, coming back to because there's more tax stuff ideas. Um, tax loss harvesting. That's all inside of a non qualified account. Is what I've been talking about, and that's any age. 
any time period, you just uh, need to be giving enough to a 501c3 to make these strategies worthwhile. Now, when you get older in life, uh, at 70 and a half years old, you can actually do a new strategy called a QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution, that allows you to take money out of a traditional IRA, gift it to a charity, and not pay tax on it. Normally, any other time when you're taking money out of a traditional IRA, you're paying income tax. And part of the problem that we talked about earlier, what are the future tax rates going to be? Yeah, you don't know. That's called tax risk. In my, I talked about contingency plans earlier on how to do that. Well, taxes are contingency risks because we can't control them. So you can gift to a charity once you're 70 and a half, cannot do it earlier, up to 100000 a year in a QCD format. So you're not taking it as income. You actually take assets, cash from the traditional IRA and write a trip directly to the charity. Okay, we do that for clients and we go. you have to make sure that they're a 501c3 to receive that. Um, so that's called a QCD. Uh, it originally came and was aligned with the RMD dates back when required minimum distributions were at 70 and a half years old. But those have continuously progressed older and older, which is good when the government forces you to take a percentage out or have a high penalty. Um, but the QCD date has not changed. It maintains at uh, 70 and a half. Uh, another idea is if you desire in your legacy planning to gift in a death event to a charity, you can title, you can earmark a pre-tax asset, like a traditional IRA, as an example, to a charity, and when a charity receives it, they don't pay tax on it. So you've got a tax deduction in, and they didn't pay tax on the receiving end. So that becomes never tax money in, in today's rules on how that works. So if you desire to leave money to a charity, it's an idea to cherry pick which asset in your various ones to go to different people. So that step up in basis rules, you can do that for leaving assets from person A to person B in a death event. They get a step up in basis uh, at a death event on that. So that's great. That's uh, some of the things that you can do in, in order to avoid overpaying for taxes. I know probably not many of our listeners at this point are 70 and a half years old, but if you are, that's something to be aware of. So just as a last encouragement to you guys, I know it's it, the economic time that we find ourselves in is very challenging. I mean, I'm boots on the ground. I understand. I'm trying to start another business myself, trying to get ahead in this world. And it is just really hard. It seems like the hits just keep on coming. And so I want to encourage you guys to, to get your hands dirty, to work hard, take that Protestant work ethic and to work hard, make sure that you're giving to your church. Because one of the things that you know, in all of scripture, uh, you see over and over again in the scriptures that you're not supposed to test God, except in one area. He says, try to outgive me. Try to outgive me. Will I not open the storehouses of heaven? And so God is faithful. He challenges you guys to give. And so what I want you to do is to work hard. I want you to give. And then if you pay taxes, is this fair, Joe? If you pay taxes in, if you're not receiving an earned income tax credit, they should talk to you. I'd be happy to have a conversation. With them. Various <laughs> ideas. There's a lot more than what we've talked about. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense that that is probably true. But if you pay taxes, you should really be speaking with someone like Joe. I would recommend Joe talk different tax strategies so that you're not overpaying in your taxes. 
and you can you can use some of the things that he he had mentioned on the podcast. But I know this is just information. Joe's just giving this for for free for you guys. These are a lot of things that people actually have to pay money in order to get ideas and access and advice to. And so I want you to encourage you if you pay taxes, speak with Joe. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that's important. You know, these aren't any particular recommendations. Always, please hear this, always check with your tax advisor. I'm not someone's tax advisor. That's their like CPA or EA or something like tax attorney. Making sure that these are appropriate for you. I enjoy having three-way conversations with my clients and their tax advisor, but always include that person on any of these ideas for yourself. Yeah. So just remember, none of this is financial advice. That's what I hear on every, every investing <laughs> video. None of this is, this is for education purposes only. Yeah. So there's the caveat. Yeah. You're welcome compliance department. And so thank you very much for joining us, Joe. It has been an honor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the hard men podcast. And special shout out to our Patreon supporters. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, you can join today for as little as $5 a month. And that definitely helps keep this work going. We are glad to partner with you for content that builds a new Christendom and reclaims biblical masculinity at the same time. You can check the show notes for the link to become a Patreon supporter of the Hard Men podcast today. Stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men. Thank you.